We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning this thing on see now i'm getting mad because it's getting ready to be on i want my whiskey to bite me a little bit this is the kind of psychopath that i hang out with i got beat up outside of a denny's the rock pile report with buffalo bills season ticket holder drew gear he likes to get in the ex's nose something i can't do with this podcast because i drink too much chris krueger my rollerblading blonde mohawk producer the pettiest hardest drinking Bill's Podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Power Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And Chris, this is our Week 15 preview. The Carolina Panthers versus the Buffalo Bills. Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. Place, Ralph Wilson Stadium. The weather, who gives a shit? The line, I don't care. <laughs> the crew, Cleet Blakeman. Oh good, a guy named Cletus. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be great. Chris, please... After all the rest of this that sucks, can you please tell me that there's someone solid on the call? Well, you'll be at the stadium, and I'll be at work in the break room listening to Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma with Lindsay Zarniak on the sideline. Interesting. Kenny Albert has a face that doesn't match his voice. Yes. And, <laughs> I love you immediately say yes. Yeah. And Vilma is... He looks like Droopy the Dog. I don't know. Jonathan Vilma, he's new to to broadcasting. He hasn't been doing it that long. So I'd have to... I don't know. I've, I, don't have, I don't have a form. We're not even getting the D squad. We're getting the experimental squad. No, this is like... Kenny Albert is like... A, I think he's like the C crew for Fox. Okay. Because you have Buck and Aikman are the one for Fox. And then the two, I think, is 
Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson are the two, the B team. And then I think Kenny Albert is the C team. Okay. Greg Olson did a podcast on Blue Wire Network. Yeah, he did a TE1. Did a wide receiver one with Chris Carter. Blue Wire is actually really killing it by pulling in former athletes to do podcasts. What the, Obviously, what's next is they got to do QB1. Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Allen would Josh. host that podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for the, the summer he's going to go out to California, so not far from uh, Las Vegas. He's stopping at the Wynn Studios. We'll be there someday. Hopefully. Well, no, when we do, you guys are all going to fucking hear about it. It's going to be great. So, Chris, the Carolina Panthers. I have an odd history with this franchise, and so do the Buffalo Bills. First of all, there's the obvious. Ever since tabbing their former defensive coordinator and former assistant GM to run our franchise, both from the front office and from the field, there's been a connection there about as subtle as your hair choices. All right. You look like a more fashionable Travis Bickle. You've gone almost full Mohawk again. What is this? What, what is this a cry for help? No, this is the third time I've had a Mohawk. <laughs> I just did it for that concert I went to. Oh, is that it? Because you wanted to show the singer how much you liked him by getting your hair cut just like him? I mean... I didn't even crack my beard to start the show. I'm going to crack it on that joke because that was money. Well, oh, there's a sick bird. I will, I will tell you, oh, you. You were hoping he'd look out over the crowd and be like, there's a dude who looks just like It's like me. Spider-Man looking at Spider-Man. <laughs> when I went and saw them, when I went and saw Sarset in Columbus, after the show, I had maybe three or four people tell me, like, that was a great show. And I thought that was just like a conversation starter. But, like, I think the third one, the guy said, oh, you were great out there. They like, oh, wait, do you think I was I'm dust? So is this what you're purposely trying to do? Like, are you, are you purposely trying to steal the band's thunder? Like, do you think that you're cool by I mean, extension if you look like the dude who's the lead singer? Because I'll mean, tell you what, there's a lot of bands. Like, I love Corey Taylor. I think Corey Taylor is an amazing front man. I'm not going to shave my head and start wearing masks in public to try to look like Corey Taylor so that people will walk up to me after a concert and go, hey, man, you killed it out there. Well, I will tell you, wearing a mask in public is not a bad idea to cover your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I know about this dynamic between the Panthers and the Buffalo Bills. Multiple former players have suited up for Buffalo during the McBean era with mixed results. I mean... The historically up and down acquisition of uh, wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin. They didn't. They didn't get one thousand yard Kelvin Benjamin. They got the guy who was famously called one biscuit away from being a tight end. Star Latule and Vernon Butler, who have been polarizing players for fans during their time here on Buffalo on the defensive line. AJ Klein is a Sam linebacker replacing Lorenzo Alexander, who worked under Sean McDermott before leaving for New Orleans in free agency. Dean Marlowe who was brought into the NFL by Carolina and cut his teeth during the McDermott era. Josh Norman, right? That was the only Bills attempt at significantly investing in the CB2 spot, and we didn't, it didn't pay dividends. Darrell Williams, who was drafted by the regime that was that kind of ran under Brandon Bean when he was the AGM, was signed off their scrap heap, this offseason, we signed their former defensive end, F.A. Obata. Well, we also sent them the pterodactyl. Yeah, <laughs> we traded them the pterodactyl. Chris, they're not being very discreet about their love for 
any and every player they ever saw come through the Panthers franchise, are they? Yeah. The good news is that with a new owner, a new GM, a new coaching staff, and most of the players, either McDermott or Bean, either scouted, drafted, or signed, no longer in the Panthers' pipeline, 2021 might be the last offseason we see the widely joked about Carolina to Buffalo connection. I'm going to raise a glass to that. Chris, to the death of an era. I myself have something of a personal connection with the Carolina Panthers. It's also kind of strange. First of all, my grandfather. He Now, he's from Carolina, born and raised in the mountains, came to Buffalo, literally eloped to Buffalo because he was younger than my grandmother. Chris, is that not the most hillbilly story? Grandmother's 18, he's only 16. They got to elope to New York where they can get married, where no one will yell at him. That does sound weird. Yeah. And then he starts a lucrative, lucrative career with the Bethlehem Steel Factory. Retires back to the mountains. So when I'm a child, he hears tell of a football team starting, and he knows I love football as a child. So he brings me a Carolina Panthers football, like literal, like leather, nice, stitched, Carolina Panthers football and and a Frank Reed a Frank Reich autograph on an eight by ten. Yeah, he did play for them, I think, in ninety seven. He was their opening quarterback. Ninety six, ninety seven quarterback to ever play for that franchise was Frank Reich. And he goes, Oh, well, you should like this team. They're foot it's football, and that's a guy who you used to cheer for. If so facto, you should like this team. And it was just weird because my parents were like, well, put that on your shelf. Hey, watch these things. Ah, look, Grandpa knows you like football. And the whole time I'm like, first of all, he won one big game for us. Maybe two. Also, he's not here anymore. I'm older now. I'm not a kid. Also, this team is not going to be good. They're an expansion team. This is all Bush League. And they were bad. Chris, they were very bad out of the gate. Fast forward to my college, my it was still my freshman year of college, 2004. The Carolina Panthers are playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now, I don't have any ties to the Patriots, but I hate, hate the Patriots. We pay somebody in the dorms to get us beer, and what they come back with is Cases of Sam Adams. Sam Adams beer to watch the Super Bowl when you're a freshman in college. Chris, I got so drunk, I got sick, because that beer is so heavy and also very flavorless. Like, when you get down to what a beer should be, if you're a Sam, this might hurt your feelings, but if you drink Sam Adams, you're a peasant. This stuff is terrible. There's way more flavorful stuff if you just spend an extra buck or two out there. Just, ugh. But I can't drink Sam Adams regular anymore because of that Super Bowl. These teams will share a number of strange links, both to myself and to the Buffalo Bills, maybe forever. Or maybe just as long as McDermott and Bean run the show. 
On Sunday, they're going to share a field as the Bills attempt to make the postseason for a third consecutive season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so to help walk us through what is... (laughs) It's one of the most important. It feels absurd to even call it one of the most important games of our season. But here we are. Dennis Walsh, former Panthers podcaster. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's good, good to see you guys. Good to we see were, you, uh, we dude. We were talking earlier. I, we, we always had to do this with, with just voices. So I know. Now it's, I can see you guys. It's where we got. And it's weird because we're sitting here in the studio that we kind of built. Like we ad hoc this thing together. But it's not bad. You're in a room with a rocking chair. I need to know more about that. Like, what what is this room in your house? Yeah, so I, uh, I, I, as we were talking about a minute ago, I went from full studio padded walls like you guys to uh, ripping it all down because I, I actually play music a lot now. I didn't really get to that with you guys. That's kind of another reason why I've uh, not podcast a lot. I'm actually on the road a lot. Hell yeah! So, uh, well, I knew you were a bassist. Is, um, what are you doing now? Yeah. I, I play bass. I, I travel almost uh, a, a lot of dates with my band. So a lot of, a lot of box score watching and, and what, regame watching these. What's days. the band? But, yeah, what is it? An original band or are you uh, yeah, a bass band's, player band's a for band. a, a country band? I was going to get uh, called Dalton and the Sheriffs. I'm a. Uh, it's, it's kind of a Hootie and the Blowfish deal where I, I'm I'm a band guy and there's a singer songwriter. So <laughs> check us out. I was going to guess that you either did an original band or you were the bass player for a Creed cover band. <laughs> I did used to love Mark Tremonti as a guitar player. So. Hey, listen, Mark Tremonti's great. Everything else yes. about that band stink. Like, it was Correct. terrible. Uh, so, he used to podcast for Not What You Think, and it was one of, he was a guy that we would talk to about all things Panthers. And he's a superstitious jerk like me, who was wearing the same t-shirt for most of his Carolina Panthers games. Wow, I can't believe you remembered that. Do you still continue that uh, tradition? No, so I, for whatever reason, I didn't wear it in when when they lost the Super Bowl, and, oh. and we've never had a. Uh, I, I know, a total blunder, but I uh, I do not do that anymore. I just let the winds blow. After, after time, I realized it didn't matter what I did. The Panthers are probably losing. It's in funny. The last, like four years. <laughs> it's funny you said that because this week I had the realization that I should stop abusing myself. And we used to drink Molson ices, uh, Bud Light ices. We used to eat black licorice. I, Anything we thought would like keep the team afloat. And I don't know why we thought that, but we do it, and it was terrible. And I feel like I'm done abusing myself out of just 
under the auspices of superstition. Uh, Bruce Nolan, you win this round. So to talk to you about the 2021 Panthers, I guess I just don't know. Like uh, to start on a philosophical note, I, I, do, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around what happened to your team because you started off the year with a head of steam. You're three and zero. You beat the Saints. Ooh, the Saints just thumped uh, Green Bay. You're you're looking at this team going, okay, we're doing well. They're statistically giving us reasons to believe that this isn't smoke and mirrors. We're scoring more than 22 points a game. Walk me through what that first month of optimism at 3-1 and one was like. So I'll be completely honest. I was the person um, kind of hushing the optimism because, you know, those games were against the Jets. Uh, they did beat the Saints, but the Saints had that whole, like, weird COVID week where half their team and coaches weren't there and, I don't know if it was just preparation or what. And then uh, they beat the Texans. So, you know, and a lot of those games were just dominated by the defense and short fields for the offense, um, which have not happened in any of the other games. So um, as far as the Panthers fan base goes, yeah, there were a lot of people crowning them. I mean, the defense looked amazing. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you have to look at who who was playing. I, th- I think the Jets and Zach Wilson – we're just an absolute dumpster fire right from, you know, before even starting, um, you know, winning that game meant nothing to me. So I, um, you know, I, I thought that the team did what they should have done in those weeks, you know, is, is beat up on a team like the, uh, like the Texans beat up on a team like the jets. And then I think they got a little lucky if that's the right word in the COVID world against the saints. Uh, I think the saints will, will probably beat them down pretty bad in in a couple of weeks here, but um, you know, and then they started having to, to play real teams. You know, I think that when you started to see them play, especially once they got to the Patriots, you know, things were, couldn't couldn't be worse. So, um, I think it was just one of those schedule luck things that uh, that a lot of people read a little too much into. I thought. Well, what I think is crazy is that your start was so solid that your franchise decided to go and trade for Stephon Gilmore. You said, "Look, we can keep this rolling." That we, we have a defensive back injury, but it doesn't matter because we can trade for a guy. And you, when they all come back and they're all healthy, you know, Greg Newsom goes down and you say, listen, we, we're going to have a ferocious secondary. We're going all in. We're pushing some chips into the middle because we think this team can compete. And then, I don't know. You, you, you go on, you lose a couple close ones to Dallas and Philadelphia who are competitive football teams. From that point though, Chris, the hype bus, I mean, to say it, it kind of almost hitting a bump in the road would be putting it nicely. I can't stop! Help! There's a cliff! And your family's screaming, oh my god, we're burning alive! No, I can't feel my legs! Here comes a meat wagon! And the medic gets out and says, oh, my God. Now, Dan, is that, <laughs> is that what it's felt like watching this team over the whole last that, that has just, yeah, That describes it pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I'm trying to think of the week that J.C. Horn actually went down. Um, and then, like you mentioned, you know, uh, they, they, the Gilmore trade blew me away, obviously, being here in, in Boston, because they went into that that win now mode, like, like we have our window after like just a couple wins on a team that, you know, 
if you talk to a lot of people here, there's like a like a contrasting opinion as to if they're rebuilding or not. And I would say I don't know how you can be rebuilding with like with the the pieces they have. And then there's other people that say without an offensive line, you're always rebuilding. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I, trying to I, think I, of what point that that Tommy Boy clip started. But you know, it all started to go downhill when they lost. You know, Matt Paradis, their center. J.C. Horn gets hurt. They start they start shuffling corners around, even though they still have, I mean, a crazy cornerback room. But there was a point where, yeah, everything just like just dropped. You're absolutely right, and and I don't know if anyone can actually finger point, you know, exactly when that was, but it, it did happen. So now your team's two and five. Been a lot of really demoralizing losses in there. Including three of them by more than twenty points. Just based on my notes here, I mean, I'm, you you lose Sam Darnold at cornerback, which he kind of he kind of picked up through the. And it's one of those narratives again through those early goings. Sam Darnold was really proficient with keep keeping track of the ball. He wasn't turning it over the way he had. Well, that kind of took an uptick after week four, and then you lose him to injury. Then you lose all pro running back Christian McCaffrey again for the season. Now you've recently fired your offensive coordinator. Things seem to be kind of in shambles on both sides of the ball. You're giving, you're, you're holding your opponents down on defense in some cases, but you're not scoring anything. And with the defense, with the playoffs, essentially, essentially a pipe dream. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase. What's the pulse of the fan base right now coming into this game against the Bills? And what's the motivation of this team to continue winning football games? Beat up the other day about um, throwing stuff at the wall, hoping that it sticks. But that's basically what he's doing now or, or what the team is doing. I don't know if it's so much him. What they're doing is just trying stuff. They're like, hey, we're going to try this two quarterback approach. We're going to try this guy at left guard. We're going to try this you know, new center. We're going to, you know, do all this. So n- nothing, they have like no, no direction. It seems they're just trying to, trying things out. You know, they're, they're starting or have not either starting or not starting receivers like Terrace Marshall Jr. didn't get any targets one game. Um, so, you know, I think that right now, I, I, what it seems like is that a lot of the pe- a lot of the fans want, I mean, I don't know if it's impatience or what, but are boiling this down to Matt Rule just not, having a handle on the team or, or not being able to coach in the NFL. I mean, you know, they're the third most penalized team in the NFL right now. Um, you know, games are coming down to teams converting on third and 18s, you know, to, to put games away. Um, just like no, none of that discipline, you know what I mean? And I don't know if it's so much the players on the field or, or what it is, but um, you know, that's what it feels like right now. It's, it's not like it's coming down to one or two plays it's that, you know, they can't come out of the locker room with any adjustments. They just get completely outcoached and, and beat every second half. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, within a couple of games, that turns to the coach. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about Matt Rule. I personally don't think that, uh, that this team is, you know, is all in on him from what I see. But, I, and that's, I think, what, what the fan base feels too. Well, and that's tough because when we're talking about an offense, Especially like an offense, like like you said, they were benefiting a lot on short fields, strong defense. If you look at the offensive side of the ball, that was supposed to be his acumen, 
right? That's the reason he's in the NFL is because he was supposed to be this great offensive mind. He comes to this team, and last year you could blame a lot of what happened just on the state of the roster. They didn't have much to work with. They come in this year, they give him Sam Darnold, then he goes down with injury. Now, I'll be honest with you. Blue Wire has a couple pot, they have a couple Panthers podcasts. I didn't give a shit about talking to any of them because I wanted to talk to you specifically because I know your love for Cam Newton. <laughs> I know your love for Cam Newton. I know. I was waiting to come on last year. Oh, I, I, I was a, I was a Patriots fan for you, like, you know, 12 weeks. It was exactly, great. Exactly. Right. I know how much you love this guy. Now he's back. I mean, when you look at the fact that the season starts with this shrewd move, then it, you go back and you bring back this guy who you defended to to the bitter end. I saw you out there on Twitter fighting the fight. <laughs> Just I do. Jur- journalists who were trying to assassinate his character, trying to deride him for being just like not a good person or not a good teammate. Well, then the Panthers, uh, the Patriots decide, guess what? You're not something we want in the building as a backup. And they cut him. And he's out there on the streets. And finally, the need becomes so great in Carolina that they go, listen, we have no choice but to go bring back Cam Newton. Which, honestly, if we're being, if we're being upfront, was the only role he was going to ever accept. I mean, we talked about it. Chris, didn't we say this with Christian Simonelli when they signed Cam Newton? There's three quarterbacks in the NFL. There are, there are backup quarterbacks. There's the veteran, like, mentor. There's the guy you draft as a long-term project that maybe you draft him in the 6th, 7th, 8th round, UDFA style, and you hope you can groom him into being something worth draft capital. Or you sign a replacement level, like, hey, you're just as good as my starter and you can win me one game or two games in a spot. But you don't have an ego and you're willing to accept that role. He fit none of those molds. So in that way, he was unemployed for a long time. And then you guys came calling, and he had this ridiculous... First of all, the return to Carolina and the fan reception had to be great, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there were so many people against the Sam Darnold move from the beginning, and, and Cam's king in this, t- in this town, so... You know, stats aside, I mean, it was a the the, the game he came back, uh, the home game was by far the most. You know, it was had like a Super Bowl feel, like an NFC Championship game feel. They ended up losing the game. He played fine, but um, but yeah, it it, it it's uh, it was definitely a homecoming for the fans too. Well, think about that huge win against the Cardinals and his return, and he's yelling, "It's on Sports Center, I'm back." He's declaring that he is back in the NFL as a starting quarterback. I mean, that was a shocker. It was something that I would, I'm happy I didn't put money on that game. And it was funny to those of us who disliked him to see him bench just two weeks later. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, re- reality came, comes fast for Cam. You know, a lot of people don't realize Cam's 0 11 in his last 11 starts wow. for the Panthers. Um, and it sucks because you know, like uh, there, there's a lot of that that's on him. But I mean, this year, I mean, I don't know how much Panthers football you've watched. You'll see it on Sunday. It's basically playing backyard football with no like five Mississippi count. Like you just run, <laughs> you just run to the quarterback. So, and the problem with Cam is like, you know, 
he may he's been making the one mistake mistake. So in the last whatever you you mentioned the stretch they're on, I mean them getting in the end zone lately is just like an absolute celebration. So that pick or that especially that pick six, they're just game daggers because they're not a team that can score. Um, you know, so it, it's I feel like a lot of his mistakes are unfortunately magnified times whatever versus you know being on a team that could put more points in the end zone because his st- his stats really aren't that bad. He just keeps making no that mistake to you your know? points. To your point, he doesn't get sacked as often as any other quarterback to sit up for Carolina, which I think we all might have expected. Just a 12% pressure to sack ratio. But Chris, he's one of, he's been known to be one of the premier athletes to ever call himself a quarterback in the NFL. So it makes sense that when you pressure him, he'll just run away, right? Yeah. Okay. Who, who, what other team is kind of thriving off that? (laughs) What other team do we know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wearing their logo on my shirt right now. What, what team? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Josh Allen. Uh, also, his perfect three to three touchdown to interception ratio, to your point, touchdowns are hard to come by. And when you make that one critical mistake, it does overshadow. Josh Allen threw a pick in that Tampa Bay game, but nobody looks at that and says, that's the reason we lost because he went on a rampage. And in fact, Matt Rule went to the press press conference and said, that's the reason we lost, oh. which is like, which is obviously doesn't win the fans over. But that's, you know, that's really what it is, is it's uh, Caroline is a team to that to win a game. They almost have to play like perfectly. Mm. The, the, the minute they start turning the ball over even once or twice could can literally mean the game. And it's, uh, you know, those things become highlights, you know, on ESPN. So. Um, is he pushing the ball downfield more? Is he trying to orchestrate more of a downfield passing attack, or is he still trying to dink and dunk? I mean, would the Patriots try to make him a stand-in-the-pocket, dink-and-dunk passer, but then also run sometimes? And that project failed miserably. So here's, here is what I have found with Kim is... And a lot of this is actually, like I told you guys, you know, I'm on the road a lot. So a lot of, like, I actually was looking at box scores once in our sound check. But the good thing is I can go home and take what looks like, you know, the worst game ever. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this for the first time knowing they're going to lose. But like, what's going on here? And he was like two for 20 or whatever it was, two for 15. I was like, what is going on here? Cam's biggest problem and this has been for the last, even in New England, for whatever reason, he gets his passes batted down so easily. So he'll be two for 10 on the, you know, on the stat sheet. Three of those actually made it to the receiver. And I mean, the guy's six five, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's because he's telegraphing these things or if it's because teams are putting spies in like, you know, in the check down path. But the easiest way to beat Cam Newton is have a linebacker or D lineman just swat the ball down. Well, Chris J. J. Watt owned it. Chris, we uh, we did that quite a bit against Kansas City. We've done it over the course of the there season. We've watched our defensive line struggle as of late, but maybe this is one of those games where they kind of find themselves. I don't know, but I found that incredibly interesting that Cam Newton just has this. I don't understand like wh- what this offense is with him at the helm. And then I look at some of your, just over the course of the season, Robbie Anderson, you guys signed him to be a weapon 
And I'm sure I've seen all the memes about what his face must have looked like when he found out Sam Darnold was also coming. He's like, God damn it. I just got here. I just started doing well, and now you're going to bring this guy here? Great. He had his biggest game of the season this past week. 84 yards, uh, what, two touchdowns? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if he had two, but yeah. Downfield passing has been a problem because Robbie Anderson was a receiver that routinely had 100-yard games. What is it about this that they don't do they just not prioritize it or the quarterbacks not trying to go it's, yard? And and this is where, you know, like one of the one of the truest things that was said to me about being like the cam stand is that, you know, we 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 never blame him. Like we always it's always something. And, you know, so when it comes to the downfield passing, there's nowhere else you can put that blame to, but besides the offensive line. I mean, Cam literally, I think it was 2.1 seconds to throw the ball average time. <laughs> I mean, Dennis, you can just pull up clips. Den- Dennis Daly, you know, Pat Elfian, these guys literally can't block anybody. And that, you know, one of the, the problem, like the Joe Brady firing, you know, is what it is. It kind of comes down to a scapegoat, but there's guys open, but your quarterback's already on the ground. You know, you, you, you can't have a downfield passing game. When you don't have that, and, and when he, the few times that Cam has thrown the ball deep, uh, he did one to DJ Moore. They had like a sixty-something yard pass. You know the accuracy is there. Cam can do it, but too many other things have to happen. So the Panthers just have to they run this offense where they're going to pull out a deep ball once or twice a game. That's really all they can do by doing you know by playing a little bit of chess and. Um, you know, as far as the deep ball goes, that's that's all it is to me. I mean, that that is something that I can't, you know, I, I don't think that's an excuse. <laughs> Maybe you'll see it Sunday is that, you know, you throw Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam, these guys are all getting crushed. There's no, you know, no one's standing head and shoulders above the other as far as throwing it deep. <laughs> so outside of Cam Newton, when you look at the running back stable, you've lost Christian McCaffrey. Robbie Anderson's probably your best wide receiver. DJ Moore is he hurt now? He, I say he's questionable now. Okay, um, so he's not a hundred percent. I'm looking at this rushing attack because the, our secondary is supposed to be our strength. This rushing attack without McCaffrey, this is where I'm interested. If because if we can make you one dimensional, we can win this football game. Uh, Runs yeah. up the middle don't <laughs> seem to net anything. In terms of yardage, even with McCaffrey included in, you guys have 3.3 mm-hmm. yards per carry across the entire interior offensive line, which is crazy. Rushes out into space off the ends, pitches, you know, stretch plays. Those are the only things that seem to work. Big plays, touchdowns, yeah, first downs. What? What's wrong with the offensive line, and how do you think that they're going to approach the Bills this Sunday? I mean, everything is wrong with the offensive line, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, there's people that are just completely hey, not I hear playing you. their positions. Oh, I hear you. Um, but I don't, you know, as far as running up the middle, that's actually, I never really looked into that. But, I mean, Chuba Hubbard, you know, for a rookie, it has been doing pretty well as far as, you know, uh, coming behind Christian and Amir. They picked up Amir Abdullah. And, you know, they'll use DJ in those sweeps. And, obviously, you got Cam on the – on the RPOs, which still yes. work uh, for their team. Well, that's why I think, and I think that's why they profit outside the tackles so much, is because mm-hmm. a lot of their players do their best work when they're like, "Hey, listen, this is kind of a either it's a design sweep, 
which gets you on the edge. Or it's a broken play where Cam can just take off and say, listen, the tackle box is breaking down. I'm going off tackling him out. That's where your best rushing happens. And the, well, and the problem is, is like a lot of teams will bait Cam into doing that. Yes. You know, the minute he gets to the line of scrimmage, it's like they come off their guys and they've just designed it that way. And that's, you know, so, so think, things can look like they're going to work and they don't. You know, and another piece of, uh, and I, I'm assuming this, this does translate to the run game too, but it also is, is a little bit of Cam Newton criticism. I don't think Cam is Cam without a dynamic tight end. And he's never had one since he left. I mean, that was my biggest thing when he went to the Patriots. You know, they, they're throwing out, uh, I don't even, you know, and some kid who's not on the roster anymore. Yeah. They traded after one season. So yeah, you know, they, then they picked up, you know, John and Hunter and I'm like, all right, this is, this is the Cam this Newton was football. The Cam but, Newton offense, yeah. But now, you know, back to here, I mean, they're back up on the top of the NFL, top two in the league, at least targets to their tight ends. I mean, Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble really don't do anything. I mean, they've had, they had a combination of 12 targets in the last four games wow. in the passing game. I don't really, I mean, there's probably film on them helping a little bit in the run game, but you know, when you, when you take, I mean, you take Cam who played basically his whole Panthers career with Greg Olson. I think that he just like, and this is a total criticism on Cam is, you know, Cam's basically only throwing to DJ and Robbie. He, he doesn't have another option that he, he was used to always having. And, and when you have a, a good tight end, like, and you have a mobile quarterback, I mean, take the Chiefs, for instance, a lot of those, you know, uh, delayed block routes can happen, which never happened in, in Carolina. And then I, on, I also think that it translates to their running game as well, um, you know, around the corners. So I, I think that that's, I think that's something that the Panthers are terribly lacking right now is, is, not even good, but like a decent tight end play. <laughs> um, and it, it, it translates to the running and pass game. So, I mean, that's one thing that Buffalo probably doesn't really have to, you know, scheme for like they would with, you know, with the, with old, you know, old Cam, no. Cam Newton. Who had no, for Olsen. sure. You basically shut Robbie and DJ down and, and you're, you just have to stop the run, you know? No. So, so on the defensive side of the ball, Prior to the offense's downward spiral this season, you guys have remained one of the NFL's stutter units. I mean, even losing, you guys average one and a half takeaways per game. The And while the rushing numbers might be concerning, I mean, 151 yards, 190, 111 yards to a bad Miami team. I mean, the pass defense has not allowed a team to pass for more than 205 yards in six consecutive weeks. Chris, you sitting here as a lay fan, when you hear that, like, hey, this team, it doesn't matter who they play, no one throws for more than 206 yards. You gotta, you gotta assume their secondary is pretty good. Yeah, they were great up until, you know, JC Horn had got, uh, injured. And yeah, I called him Greg Newsom earlier, and I, that's hilarious. To me. Yeah, you're way wrong. Uh, but friend of the show, Brad Coleman, tends to take blame for that because he put together a film room episode on how good the Panthers D started and then they played the Cowboys and that all went to shit. Well, it happened the week he released it and it just all fell apart. Well, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Panthers are are their offense is so three and out. I mean, you can put the best defense on the field all day, but if they're on the field, 
you know, 70% of the game, any defense is going to break down. Oh, sure. And I think that's, I think that's what you're really seeing with the Panthers defense, you know, no, in their sure. decline is that the offense is also getting worse. So you know? when you look at the places where they're strong, first of all, the Bills offensive line has really struggled when, when they face physicality from the front seven. How do the Panthers stack up in that regard? So that's, you know, that's been one of the bright spots, of, of course, is especially Hassan Reddick. I mean, Great. that guy is an absolute beast. Yeah, don't um, don't tell me about it. I looked at the numbers ahead of this game, and I'm already like, okay, uh, you mean to tell me him and Brian Burns combined for 18 and a half sacks? What the fuck? I was like, <laughs> like I looked at it, so, and I was like, oh, good. I, Great. Wonderful. I'm sure this game will go well. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm getting – so Brian Burns is, you know, is kind of like plateauing, and I'm, I'm getting a little concerned that coaches are, are you know, or at least Ron Rivera did, um, you know, kind of game plan around him just being too aggressive, you know, a lot of draws and all that. And that, and that was kind of one way to get through to them. But yeah, I mean, the, the front line's great. You know, Derek Brown, obviously big in the middle, not a guy who really records numbers, but just kind of annoys, uh, annoys offensive lines. Um, linebackers, Shaq Thompson's obviously great, but you know, obviously <laughs> we're a team that's used to uh, talking about, you know, Luke Keekley and, and, and John Beeson in the middle. So to, to, to Panthers fans, you know, the linebackers aren't as uh, stellar as uh, his, you know, history would say, but you know that's really kind of the one, the one you know weakness I would say is is, is we don't have you know we kind of had average linebackers. Um, Shaq's obviously playing well, but um, you know Jermaine Carter's, Carter's okay, and you know over the top get Jeremy Chin and Justin Burris too. So um, really, it's more of scheme issues. You know, I, I don't think you have players that are gonna you know that you're you're gonna attack specifically um you know it's not like we have a weakness of a of no, a, uh, you guys have of a lot corner of great there, defensive you know? players yeah. and that's it like when i look at aj bouye and then you go okay well aj bouye he's out there then you have stefan gilmore out there then you have you start going down the list and you go wait a minute who am finally I, starting now who am i <laughs> supposed to throw at because these, anderson these are well exactly <laughs> and these are all names who you're supposed to be like I don't know. Each one of these guys is supposed to be a starting cornerback on another team. Now they're all together. And luckily for us, Dante Jackson is going to miss this week, I believe. I think he has one more week to go before he can come back from IR. So you're not going to have the full compliment. But if you did, it would be even worse. Because, Chris, now what you're talking about is in order to get to a favorable matchup for Buffalo in the wide receiver game... You're gonna have to go three to four wide almost every play. That takes away from some of what you can do in the running game. Although, let's face, let's face it, the Bills don't have any running game. It's well, what if what if you guys ran it every time and only threw three passes? Oh, you rotten motherfucker! No, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, Dan, this is why I love you. <laughs> this is why I love you. This is but why you were the I perfect person. For, no, this is why you're the perfect person for this show. So when I look at that and I look at what your defense is. I was rooting for Buffalo, by the way, in that game. Well, you thank you. Where can we, where do you see the Bills making a little bit of hay on Sunday? Well, I, I was partially serious about that. Cause, you know, Carolina is, is down probably the bottom third in the league and letting up rushing. I mean, Cordell Patterson ran all over them last week. Um, you know, I think that, I think that the teams that especially even Washington, the teams that have, 
have won handedly have been able to run the ball easily. So running the, I mean, yeah, you don't want to become one dimensional against that secondary is I guess what I'm saying. And a lot of teams have, you know, the Panthers have not been able to figure out how to make that happen because they just keep letting teams run all over them. And that's partially why I mentioned the Brian Burns thing. I mean, a lot of times you look at, you know, replays and he's just behind the play. He's just too far in the backfield and trying to get to the quarterback when it was a screen or it was a, you know, it was a, it was a run. So I think that kind of neutralizing the ends of, you know, Riddick and, and Burns, it, whether you run it or whether you screen it, um, using the running backs to keep the, um, you know, the secondary, you know, honest is, is kind of has been the blueprint to, uh, to beat the defense. Well, I can't wait to so see how got- this thing shakes out, dude. <laughs> Listen, where can people find you on Twitter? You're an amazing follow. And where can people find your band and your band's work? Let me let's Yeah, no, yeah. I've never I've never had to promote that before cuz I always kind yeah. of kept them separate and I was like, "Screw it. You know what? I didn't I didn't want to be uh, you know, shameless self-plugs, but uh no, as far as Twitter, it's at, at keep pound den. When Cam when Cam was cut, I did quit Twitter for a little bit. Cuz I had nothing <laughs> else to talk about. You know what <laughs> What am I going to talk about? Uh but yeah, band uh Band is at Dalton and the Sheriffs. We, we we actually run most of it on off Instagram. All right, um, just because it's a the way to be able to talk to the the people more. That's without true. Spamming them and uh, kind of creates a environment where you have to follow to to be part of it. So we live off there and uh, awesome. Yeah, we have we've been having fun. Dalton and the Sheriffs. Dennis Walsh, former podcaster, current bassist for Dalton and the Sheriffs. Go find their music. It's a country band. Enjoy it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Chris, we might as well wrap this bitch up with our keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. Now, I understand. Everyone listening to the show goes, what are the keys to victory? I want to start with a a quote from Louis (laughs) C.K. You've got to be optimistic to be single. Stupid. You have to be stupid. That's what optimistic means, you know? It means stupid. An optimist is somebody who goes, hey, maybe something nice will happen. Why the fuck would anything nice happen? <laughs> Chris, that's a good question. Why the fuck would anything nice help nice happen to the Buffalo Bills? I mean, it certainly hasn't thus far. The refs seem to be against us every turn. The offensive line can't stop a nosebleed. Our head coach is Kaiser Soze himself, as we established in last in our last podcast. Oh, and now Josh Allen is hurt. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Optimism is a dangerous thing in the face of adversity, man. And yet we're still here doing this podcast, which means that the collective liver damage that they've induced on us hasn't killed us yet. And so we soldier on and point to some of the things that the Bills might have to manage to give themselves a chance in this one. <sighs> First and foremost, Chris, I think the biggest thing in this game comes down to who plays quarterback, right? Yeah. Now, if Josh Allen is less than 80%, would you play him? Yes. <sighs> See, this is where... I would play him regardless. You need all the wins you can He's get. He's never going to say no, but what hap- Okay, but what happens if playing him in this game gets him so hurt that he can't help you, or he aggravates that injury and he actually can't play against New England? 
Do you need him now more? Because I'll tell you what, the way the playoffs work out, as you're going to hear in our AFC's Roundup podcast, the way the odds work out regarding that one game, that game is more important than anything else we do over the next three weeks. So I'm going to ask again, would you roll the dice? Yes. Jeopardize his health yes. against this team when you have that game on the docket? Yes, I need I need him out there. And that's why you're not a coach. That's why you're not. Football. We can go over the reasons why you're not a coach. Well, yeah, just wait till my kid gets old enough to play. Chris, you know me. I'm squirmy. I'm going to get my way in there. Can we get that whistle and clipboard? I'm going to be there for the Jack's first game, whatever he plays. Baseball, basketball, hockey, football. I'm going to be there. And I'm going to bring a lot of this equipment out there to make, to make sure that I have... It's captured for all time? Oh, yeah. I'm going to set you up. coverage? Gonna, I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to mic you up. I'm going to be mic'd up. Yeah, you're going to be mic'd up for a youth football game. Oh, I love it. Here's what I'll say. Our quarterback game planning needs to be spotless. It comes down to a couple things. First of all, if your offensive line can't protect the most elusive and physical quarterback in the NFL on a consistent basis, it doesn't matter who you line up. If Trubisky's pressed into service, the game plan needs to reflect that. But here's what's interesting, and this is why I feel like the team might lean a little bit towards Trubisky in this one. If you look back at his stats last year and you dig into the metrics, you see that unlike Cam Newton, who struggled as a passer everywhere that he was asked to throw the football, Trubisky was better than the league average in terms of QBR when asked to pass into the flats inside of 15 yards. You can build an offense around that. It's not ideal, but there is a game script that requires three to four wide receivers on the field at all times to spread out the front seven and nullify some of the pass rush, and then working the interior of the defense, the, the linebackers, the off, outside linebackers out in the flats, all of whom, besides Shaq Thompson, can be attacked through the air at a better rate than their cornerbacks. You can find yardage that way. And on the ground, you need all three running backs active if you're going to play a Mitch Trubisky in this game. They all have various duties. None of them are a three-down back, but you're going to need a lot from that group against a defense that really struggles to contain the rush, especially if you can keep their defense on the field and wear them down over the course of four quarters. Any defense gets tired, and you can just start ripping them up. I just, I, I'm also looking at things like this. This is a game where Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns have been terrorizing quarterbacks. I don't care who starts. If you do start Josh Allen, if you want to relieve some of that pressure, those guys get upfield so quickly that they vacate their lanes. You call a lot of delayed handoffs. And also, when they do get upfield, you call a lot of slip screens. You do that early enough in a football game and you establish it. It's going to make their outside linebackers stay home more often. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah. Okay. So by that way, you can, even with even if Josh's foot is killing him, which he'll play through, he won't have to run because you can keep them from rushing him with the same zeal that they would otherwise. 
I think that's a huge stumbling block of this game. Also, one of the things that needs to be kind of thought about is Mitch Trubisky. Remember how we've been decrying the fact that they haven't been allowing him to uh, pass the ball when he has gotten playing time? Yeah. Okay. What happens if they let him... What if they turn him loose and they say, listen, we've been letting you run the ball for a reason. This is it. This is the recreation of the 109-yard Tampa Bay performance. We're just going to do it with Mitch Trubisky. No, I wouldn't trust Mitchie Biscuits to... uh run any design quarterback runs. I wouldn't trust you to tell me what an offense should do or my what I should do with my wardrobe or what I should do with my hair. I wouldn't trust you to tell me most things, Chris. Yeah, that's because you're living in the past. Ugh. I think one of the other keys, and maybe the only other key to this game, because, Chris, nothing else matters, right? Our defense is going to have to get on their offense. They, You heard Den say it. Den basically broke down for us the fact that they have very few aerial threats. And we know that the numbers say they don't run well between the tackles because their offensive line is very poor this year. In that way, this is the game. Not last game, but this game. I know I gave McDermott a lot of shit for going nickel all the time. This is the game where you want range and tackling ability on the field. The only way their running backs succeed is if they can get outside the tackle box. It's your job as a defense to keep them in. Nickel coverage with Teron Johnson might be your best bet. Finally, finally for once all season, this nickel against base, it's just, it's been infuriating, but it might actually work this time. And Chris, I swear to God, if he doesn't do it and he goes more base defense now that AJ Klein's off the COVID list, I will fucking snap. I'll snap? So you'll go full on Ray Carruth. Maybe. No, wait, wait, wait. Wait, what did that guy do? Uh, he hired somebody to kill his girlfriend because she was pregnant. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, if I want somebody dead, I'll do that myself. No, no, listen, there's there's nothing but shame to be had in hiring hitmen. That's cowardly. <laughs> oh, you get your hands dirty. The final key to victory for everybody who's listening to this podcast who's also a season ticket holder, who's also going to be traveling here to come to the game, it's going to be on us. You, me, to a man. We are going to have to carry this team through four quarters. Crowd noise, energy. We Cam Newton makes mistakes. Cam Newton is not proficient. Cam Newton can't read a defense. He also doesn't know how to dress. Oh, and you're yeah. you're one to be giving fashion advice. Yes, yeah, I am. You think he's going to show up to that stadium in a romper? No. What he's going to do is what he did. Well, no, that's what I was going to say. He's he'll probably sh- he'll probably wear overalls to look like crisscross. My favorite thing was when we retweeted that uh, picture of him showing up for his COVID test, and he, he was wearing a slash-looking top hat. With and, a and black a, and white. A Beetlejuice black and white striped romper and a bunch of bracelets. Yeah, it looked like the Hamburglar. And, and so we were like, somebody captioned this, and someone said, I, and I don't know why, but it's stuck with me ever since then. It's been three years since that. Two years? Somebody tweeted at us. He looks like he's about to pull an accordion out of the back of that car and bust into a rendition of Hey Ya. I don't know why, but it's stuck with me. Like, I can't get past that. It's hysterical. Chris, 
We have to make them uncomfortable for four quarters. Us. And we also have to motivate our guys to get out there. It. We have to do our part. We have three games left. It's on us to get out there and make a little fucking noise. Let the team know we appreciate them and also demoralize their opponents. Make it very hard to communicate. Give them every bit of what we have. Because tell you what, all this bitching, all the complaining, it means nothing if you don't go out there and you don't also bring the same energy you think they should be bringing in the seats when you're sitting there on Sunday. That's it. Bring it. Bring the thunder. Let them hear it. And I guarantee you they'll respond. Guys, I don't know whether we win or lose this one, but our whole season probably rests on this. There's a lot of reasons for that. We're going to get into it in this week's AFC East Roundup, so make sure you tune into it. And also, make sure you check out our December 21st Festivus Celebration. Joe Miller is going to come into the studio. He's going to be our second in-studio guest. And we are going to collectively, as a fan base, air our grievances. It's a chance to go into 2022 for the seventh year in a row with a clean slate. Get everything off our chest that we don't like about this football season. And maybe, just maybe, our team might still be able to pull this one out. Wouldn't you want to get all the things that bother you off your chest before that, Chris? Yeah, what's what's great is you can air, air your grievances of uh, stretchy jeans. Because Joe will probably have some on. I'll, oh ha- I'll have my pair on. If you guys are both wearing skinny jeans, I'm going to snap. Well, the stretchy. Oh, it'll, get, it'll be a gre- Stretch jeans. I'm filing a grievance. Guys, I can't wait for it. Make sure you tweet us at Rockpile Report. Get at us at email, rockpileReport716 at gmail.com. The also, funniest, the best submissions that we get for your grievances for 2021, you're going to win free pizza from Wise Guys Pizzeria. Or free barbecue treats from whether it's sauce, whether it's rubs, from Q42 Barbecue. Compliments of the Rock Power Report. Because we like to party. We want you guys to join us inventing these assertions. And we feel like you deserve a little something just for taking time out of your week for us. Also, uh, YouTube. That's a thing. We have stuff on YouTube, youtube.com uh, right. slash the Rock Pile Report. I've been putting up, uh, some final thoughts, keys to victory videos, clips from the show. It's anarchy over here. Guys, we're gonna it's gonna be anarchy on Sunday, but for tonight we gotta get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Kruger, and this has been your Rockbell Report. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.